Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. So excited to get to speak to you guys today. And I'm going to share with you a little secret. I've preached this before during First Wednesday. So if you actually attended that First Wednesday, please don't turn me off. I've switched it up and changed some things. And so if you didn't attend that First Wednesday, it's going to be fun, magical, and full of wonder. Because you're listening to it for the first time. So I want you to high-five your neighbor and say, this is going to be old school. And I'm talking about like old school. We're like, we're going to go back to church. This is going to be, it's different, very different than what we typically do here. But uh, just, uh, it's been on my heart, and so I wanted to um, kind of share it with you. The, the reason that I'm doing that is I love Jesus, and I love his church. I'm not just saying that. I'm very passionate about it. It's, it's what I was born to do. And uh, with that being said, um, this kind of came out of that, and I've kind of tweaked it a little bit to kind of go along with what's going on in our church and in my life. Right now, so if you have your Bibles, and you should because people who bring their Bibles to church have bigger mansions in heaven, I would like for you to turn to Matthew twenty-seven fifty-seven with me. We're going to start in the Word of God. So it says, When the even was come, there was a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the tomb. So today I want to speak to you for just a few minutes on the topic, begging for the body of Christ. So hit your neighbor and say, we need to beg for the body of Christ. Now, that sounds very churchy. Man, it is. We're going to go old school today. So I didn't, I didn't uh, in the other two services, um, we, we kind of went a little bit deep, but I want to break down this for just a minute and kind of share with you about Joseph. See, Joseph of Arimathea was a very, very well-known man. Um, he was brought up in Arimathea, and it is said that Arimathea was a very political town. It's actually about 20 miles east of Jerusalem. And the cool part about Joseph was he was mentioned in all four of the Gospels. So he's pretty important. And the Bible also goes on to tell us that he was a disciple of Jesus. So the second thing I want to bring out is it also said that he served in the Sanhedrin courts. So he's pretty important. He, was, he had name, he had fame, he had money. The Bible tells us that he was a rich man, which tells me that you can be rich and love Jesus. Amen? Uh, we got it right there. That's the only one. She's like, yes. I don't know about you, but I'll take your blessing if you don't want. So you can be rich and love Jesus. But he was part of the Sanhedrin court. But it, the Bible says he was part of the system, but he didn't agree with everything that they did. So it tells me that we sometimes need to get involved in some stuff. Amen. And stop standing on the outside, always cursing the darkness. Right. Promise you, you're not going to change the world from Facebook. We need to get in there and get in some stuff, right? And stop cursing it and yelling at the TV and start actually getting involved in something and trying to change the world. Amen? I don't, that was free. It's good, but it was free. So he was rich, powerful. He had position, he had name, he had fame. But not only that, the Bible says that the man used all of his wealth, 
all of his position, all of his titles, everything for one purpose. And that was to gain an audience with the king, with, king, with, with Pilate the king. He used all of it, all, all his influence, all his wealth. He did it all for one purpose, to get in the room. And it worked. He used his influence, his wealth, all of it, to get in front of Pilate the king for one purpose, and that was to beg for the body of Christ. He went and he said, Sir, I'm coming to you today, and I'm asking you, I'm begging you to please give me the opportunity to get involved with the body of Christ. And, and in this text, it literally means the body of Jesus Christ, but he was there begging for it. And an interesting part that I thought about is he didn't come with this attitude of, You're lucky that I'm here, God. He didn't come with it in this, you know, like, look at me. I have all this name, this fame, all this stuff. He actually came very humbly and was like, sir, I'm begging you for the body of Christ. So literally, the text is talking about the dead, G- the, the dead body of Jesus Christ, right? But the scriptures tell us what Paul says in the scripture that we are the body of Christ, right? We are the church and the body of Christ. So if Joseph... With, of Arimathea can take all of his name, his fame, his wealth, and all that, and he could beg the body of Christ. I have a really heavy question to ask you, and it didn't go over too well in the other two services. Are you willing to beg for the body of Christ? It's a heavy question. I mean, like, honestly, are you willing to get over yourself enough to beg for the body of Christ? I mean, think about it like this. Most people come to church and you say, oh, I don't come so that I can serve other people. I come to see what God can do for me. Like, that's actually most people's ideology of church. But I'm asking you, and it's heavy and that sounds harsh, but I I, I love you enough to say it out loud. So I'm asking you today, are you willing to beg for the body of Christ? This is something that I feel is so powerful and so passionate. And I want to ask you, like, are you willing to get involved in it? Are you willing to actually get involved and to to crave it, to want to make it better, to look at it to a point? He went before Pilate to beg for the opportunity to touch the body of Christ. You may say, oh, it's easy for you. You're a pastor. Yeah, it's it's a little bit easier for me because they pay me to do it. But it's a daily choice. I don't have to do it. In fact, there are many fallen pastors that you can Google and find that they, they got paid to do it. But it doesn't necessarily meant that they did it. Amen? It's a daily choice that every Christian has to make to beg for the body of Christ, to get involved, to have the opportunity to do it, to create a place for the body of Christ in a city. That's what Joseph of Arimathea was doing. He was creating a place for the body of Christ. And he said, I love the body of Christ. He says, I know I have fame, money, all this stuff, but I I have all of that because of the purpose of God lining it up so that I can beg for the body of Christ. He said, God gave me all of that so that I can position the body of Christ to go from a death position to a resurrection position. Think about that for a minute. One man set everything up to go from a death position to a resurrection position. He's like, I'm begging you, Pilate. I'm begging you, please, sir, let me have the opportunity. So he understood that all of his gifting... He understood that everything he had was given to him for this moment. Everything that he could do so that he could move the body of Christ. So here's what I'm asking you today. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to move the body of Christ? 
This is different. It's heavy. It's definitely not so much Bethesda Sunday morning. But I, I feel very passionate about today because I feel like our church and our nation is, is just in a place where we need to finally look at things a little bit differently. And I think Joseph of Arimathea saw it. He, he got it. And he started to do things a little differently. But I noticed one thing that he did that was necessary is he had compassion for the people in his city. He had a compassion for his city. And so it really stirred him. It really moved him. It really caused him to look at things. It gripped his heart. And so I have a couple of points today. They already have it up on the screen. Number one, if you're taking notes, and you should, because you'll be more blessed. Is if, you have, if you have to have compassion for the city, God has placed you in. You have to. It's, it's so imperative that you have it. God, you're not just placed here. For like happen chance, God didn't just say, mm, I think I'll put them here and throw them over there and throw this bunch there. No, it's, it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. God doesn't do anything that's not exactly how he wants it to be. And so in the Bible, uh, Jerusalem was called the city of David five times. The city of David, the city of David. But after that, it was called the city of God. And so I want to paint this illustration for you. It's like this. Before it could ever become the city of God, it had to become the city of Chad Dingus. We're going to use him as the example because he's their, their lead pastor. So he's from Logan County. Don't judge him. He can't help it. <laughs> and I can only say that because I'm from that area. So, you know, we judge you if you say it, but I can say it. I'm kidding. But, you know, he's from Logan County. But God placed it on his heart to, to move to Greenbrier County and to create a place in this city where lost people could be found where lives could be changed. He placed it on him. I've moved all throughout the nation. God's just called me you know, to go different places and place cities on my heart. And for that moment when I lived there, I was so passionate about that city. And that's what God does, that he would place that on your heart. My kids sometimes wish we wouldn't move so much. They're like, good God, could we just stay somewhere? But I said, hey, a long time ago I prayed, Lord, if you send me, I'll go. And he keeps sending me. So as long as he keeps sending, I'll keep going. But the thing of it is, is that when we get a compassion for a place, then it changes everything. And it starts by you getting compassion like Jesus. When you go out, you don't see people for what they're doing. You see them for what they need. You, start, you begin to wonder, like, do they even know God? Do they need God? What, what is their life like? What are, what are they doing? You, everywhere you go, you see people and you see their hurt, their pain. When you start to do that, you're starting to touch the body of Christ. You're starting to understand what he is about. You're starting to feel it. And you have to get to the place that you understand what God feels. I love this place. I've actually moved back to this city three times. I love it. The city's awesome. Everybody say, I love my city. city. Now say it like you really do. (laughs) There you go. You're at the 1130 crowd. You've already had coffee and breakfast. Half the day's over. Like, love Jesus. All right, let's do this. But the thing of it is, is that I love this place. It's pretty awesome. But do you know how really cool it is that, that we can touch the world from right here in Greenbrier County because we're so awesome. God said, I'm going to bring the world to you. And he did it through the Greenbrier Resort. Right? People from all over the world come to us. We don't even have to go after them. They just come to us because they want to stay in a five-star resort. Right? But we have the opportunity to touch them and change them. One of the coolest things that um, I think that we launched an online campus uh, a little while ago, and we have um, really touched the nation and the world. So I have a couple slides for you. Every place in blue that you see is a state that has accessed our online audience. 
Can we give it up for that? You should clap up there. That's pretty awesome. You are like, that's pretty awesome. Think about it for a second. Like, that's amazing. And there's the world. Every place that's blue, those countries have accessed us online. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. From right here in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, we are literally touching people all around the world. That is amazing. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Don't minimize where God's put you. Whatever job you do, whatever God's placed you at, whatever the, the situation is, don't minimize it. Make it great. Stop complaining about it and start speaking some life over it and turn around and make it great. That's exactly what Pastor Chad did. He came to this little small church and he said, you know what, I'm going to beg for the body of Christ. I'm willing to do whatever it takes and move whatever I have to move. Whatever we have to do, we're going to do it. Anything short of sin that someone might come to know Christ. And then we began to do it. And look, we're touching people from all around the world in this little podink town <laughs> of Greenbrier County, right? And I can see it because I live here and I love it. It's amazing if you think about it. That's the God we serve when He can take you and place you all around the world and you did nothing. You know what else I thought of? Could you imagine what the disciples are like? I bet they're mad. Mad as Hades. You know they are. They're up there with Jesus. And they're like, really? Really? Like, we had to walk 700 billion miles everywhere to reach people. And you give them this little cell phone and they can reach the world. You know they're mad. <laughs> you know they are. But think about it. We have the most amazing technology in the world. We can reach people anywhere we want. We can become internet famous with our little camera on our cell phone. That's amazing technology that we can utilize for Christ. So if you're going to beg for the body of Christ and use all your gifts and your talents, you have to have compassion for people. You have to love people more than yourself. It's so imperative. So the second point for begging for the body of Christ. So I want you to high-five your neighbor and say, hashtag old school, because this is where we're going to go back to church. We're going to go old school for a minute. It says, he put clean linen. He put clean linen on the body of Christ. When Pilate gave the body of Christ to Joseph, he took it and put a clean white cloth. This is going to be old school, but it has to be said. If you're going to touch the body of Christ, you have to add to its holiness, to its purity. It's a holy thing. This is not, I know it's heavy, you guys are like, like you're looking at me like deer in the head, like, like oh my God, it is a heavy thing. This is holy. This is people's lives. This is not just something little. This is life change that I need you to understand. So here's another slide that I have for you. So a while back, we had an evangelist come. And it was pretty impressive to me. He actually researched our area. Um, and when he did, he came up with this number. This is lost people in Greenbrier County. The other one. <laughs> There you go, 20,560 lost people in Greenbrier County. And this is his statistic that he brought. Now, that's not the region because we, we reach people in Virginia and, and other counties and all this stuff. So it's not our entire reach, but he just did Greenbrier County. I was impressed. And we have had 533 people saved in our church since January 1st. Can we give it up for Jesus? That's amazing. So here, I just have to pause and say, do you understand, like, people say, oh, we're just waiting on a revival. That's a revival. Yes. 
533 people. There are some churches I haven't seen five saved, let alone 533. And I'm not blaming it. I just want you to grasp what God is doing in our church. I want you to understand the miracle that has taken place that we get to touch and be a part of and serve in. It's amazing. So that leaves 20,035 people left to be reached in Greenbrier County. 20,035 people that are still lost and dying going to the devil's hell in Greenbrier County alone. It's not Covington. It's not Virginia. It's not, you know, all the other places that we reach. That's just Greenbrier County. So with that being said, we are dealing with people's eternity, with life and death. And I know this is heavy, but I, I really want you to get it. I want you to grasp it. I want you to feel it like Christ feels it, the heaviness like I feel. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about old school religion. That junk is junk. I don't have the perfect marriage. I don't have the perfect kids. I don't have the perfect life. But we decided a long time ago that we're going to love Jesus and that his grace is sufficient for us. Amen. And that we're going to put our best foot forward and we're going to try to represent Christ the best that we can. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way. And, and it's kind of funny is we it's old school, but I still think we should live right. I know it's funny in that this day and age to say it, but we should live a Christian life. Like, if you're going to throw the God card out there, you better show up with something. Amen? Like, is that too? It, we have to do it. I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm not. There are days that, you know, here's this. You all know what's funny. People talk about, you know, this relationship with Christ. And, and the part that I don't understand is that it's a lot of work. You know what I mean? It's, it's just work sometimes. Have you ever been in a place in your relationship with God, or if you don't have one, eventually when you find God, you're going to have a place in your life where it's just work. Like, it's not always like I feel it. There are days that I really want to love God, and then there's days that I'm like, eh, you know, that's real. It's cool. It's work. Like you say, I don't feel him. I don't. Then worship him. There are days I don't feel like worshiping, but I have to worship. There are days that I need to hear from him, so I have to get in the word. There are days I don't feel like praying, but I've got to push through and pray, right? It's like a marriage. When I first got married, it was awesome, like the first two years. It was like, oh, my God, I'm married. Like, oh, my God, I love you. You love me. Like, ooh. And then after that, it became work. Like, there were days I wanted to, like, hold a pillow over her face at night. And she, me too. <laughs> like, the same thing. It was work. You get it. It's like raising kids, right? There are days I like my kids and days I don't. Amen. But I'm not going <laughs> It's just how it is. But the thing of it is, is I'm going to still love them and push through. I'm not their friend. I'm their parent. I'm not supposed to be their friend. They can have friends, but I'm not their friend. I'm their parent. I love them enough to parent them. Amen. That was free advice. But anyway. But the thing of it is that sometimes it's work, and we don't want to talk about that part. We just want Jesus to fix it. Like, fix it, Jesus. And he can, but sometimes you've got to work to get it there. It's like this. One of the things that, that I think that makes this so powerful is that, you know, it, it's holy. We got to remember that, like, purity matters. Character matters. Being who you say you're going to be matters. Showing up on time matters. Excellence matters. Diligence. Like, sometimes it's that. We have to understand, you should write this down, that purity produces power. You want to know how to get to God? Have a pure heart. And you'll get to him. I promise you, it'll be amazing. It'll blow your mind. 
Purity matters. The Bible says that says it like this. It says, where there is a clean stall, there is no ox. An ox is a power animal. It pushes things. Purity produces power. You have to have it. Believe. I still believe that the church should be like clothed in white. That's old school to say, but I believe it should. I believe it should be holy and pure. Not perfection, not any of that junk, but it should be holy. One man touched the body of Christ and moved it from a death position to a resurrection position. One man. One. Had he left him there in their culture, he would have rotted on the cross or vultures would have picked his body to death. But he said, no, I can't have that happen. Not here. Not like that. Like Not in my town. So he went before the king and he begged. He said, I'm begging you. Let me touch. Let me get involved. Let me do something for the body of Christ. Let me do this. Let me add to its purity. Let me add to its holiness. And the church is, is supposed to be this amazing place. And, and don't get this twisted. It's not, it's not about building you up. It's not about building Bethesda up or Chad Dingus. It's not any of that junk. I believe in the whole mega church movement. I'm all about it. Healthy things grow, right? Toxic things die. We get that. I think churches should grow. That's why, you know, we wrote, um, uh, we believe in a church so attractive um, that the building struggled to contain its increase. I believe that. I believe we should be so attractive that when we fill that building up, we've got to build a bigger one. I'm all about that. But I'm not about religion. I'm not about building up celebrities. That's not us. We're about people. We love people so much that we want to do whatever it takes. Amen? It's, it, that's what it's about. But here, you have Joseph of Arimathea, and he's begging and working diligently for the body of Christ. And the part that, that gets me with this is it, it's not about religion. And I feel like I need to take this. I, I grew up kind of like, I, I remember the old school, like, you know, whenever it was just, it was just like people were, were different. They were just mean about it, like the mean Christians. Anybody met a mean Christian? Yes, you have. Don't you judge me. You have. If your hand didn't go up, you might be. I'm kidding. I just said that with a microphone. I'm kidding. But <laughs> there are moments whenever I go back and listen to this, and I'm like, you guys still hand me a microphone? It's crazy. But anyway, so it's just funny. But I, I grew up that, like kind of in that old school. But you know what? I kind of feel like it's, it's not about religion, and I need you to hear me today. It's not about that. But I believe it's got to be changed because it's not working. Because hell has taken heaven off the table. It has. Like Pastor Chad says it all the time, people want fire insurance. They want the, the Savior part, but they don't really want the Lord part. doesn't work that way. You can't have the Savior. Like, yeah, I want you to save me. I want to go to heaven. I want the blessing and the benefits. But, oh, you know that part where you're going to tell me what to do and who to be friends with and what not to do and who to hang out with and where to live? Like, eh, I can't really. Mm, we're not going that far, Jesus. You can't have one without the other. Like, you can't just be your Savior. He's got to be your Lord. Amen. That's kind of how he is. But I believe in a place, and it's called heaven. And I believe in a place where there's no malice, there's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no murder, there's none, no racism. Oh, my God. Racism. People, are we still talking about this? There are days I don't even like the human race. My family keep jumping on TV like, you've got to stop saying it. But really, there are days when I like turn on TV and I'm like, we're still fighting about this. We're not over it. There is one race, people, and that's called the human race. And Jesus died on the cross for them. 
and love them. And I don't care what color you are or what part of the world you come from. He died on a cross for you. Amen. We should unite under that and move on with life. But I believe in a place that's like that, and it's called heaven. And you know what he did? He told me we could have heaven on earth. And Pastor Chad, in this last series, talked about how we can get from the third heaven down to our world through fasting and prayer. And I know that sounds old school, but here's the thing. We have to get some heaven on earth because hell has taken heaven off the table. And I need the church to rise up and actually be the church. Amen? We're going to move from that. So the Bible said that Nicodemus, or we're going to call him Nick at night. Hit your neighbor and say, Nick at night. <laughs> Nick at night came, and he was carrying myrrh. Everybody say myrrh. Now you sound like me because I have an accent and it's just funny. So thank you for joining me with that. So the myrrh, which is actually embalming fluid, and the Bible said that Nick at night is approaching the dead body of Christ to embalm him, to bring this. So I challenge you, or I get you to think that you're either approaching your situation, your city, your area, whatever it is that God's called you to, with an embalming spirit, or an anointing spirit, because the Bible says the women, oh, there they are, brought spices. We're going to call them the Spice Girls. You all thought they started in the 90s. Nope. And nothing new under the sun. They were in the Bible. So the Spice Girls came and brought spices and oils, and they anointed him. They anointed him. So you're either approaching your community and your pe- you have the place you work, your kids, your finances, your health, every situation in your life. You're either approaching it with an embalming spirit or with an anointing spirit. Either one. It, it may be like this. Say, well, you just don't know what's going on. You just don't understand. Like my neighbor just got back from vacation. My other neighbor just bought a Lexus. Like it seems like everybody's so blessed. Oh, that, that may be not be you. That's me. It's my neighbors. I'm like, what do you people do? But anyway, so you may be there and you're just like, oh, I'm blessed. Here's what to do. Why don't you approach it a different way? Why don't you go about it and start speaking life over it? Why don't you bless them because they're blessed? Why don't you go to your car and bless it? Why don't, when you go out of this building, start blessing some stuff and speaking life over it and anointing it and see what happens. Could you imagine what this place would look like if we went and started anointing our schools anointing our bank accounts, anointing all this stuff, the ministry could happen. I know it's old school, but think about what would this town look like? Here's what I think. You all are looking at me kind of funny. There's no substitute for the anointing. They're not. We have a couple of millennials on our staff, and I love aggravating them because they're millennials. But millennials have this, this, we're going to call it this feature about them that I love. They see right through people. If they're fake, they can see it. I love that about it, because you know what? If the anointing's not real, you're going to see right through it. And that's what I love about this place. There are literally people's lives who are being changed. There are people who have dealt with alcohol their entire life and come to this church, and the chains fall off, and, and they're set free. Drug addicts that come here and go through this place and just, just love God and love people and get in a small group, and then their lives are radically changed. That's what we're doing. That's why we have to beg for the body of Christ. You know what I think? If we all walked out of here and we worked like it was up to us, but we prayed like it was up to God, this area wouldn't know what hit it. If we worked like it was up to us, but we prayed like it was up to God, we would see some change. So begging for the body of Christ. We need some anointed people to invade this community. I think of it like this. The old school and the new school meet. Like I told you, I went old school. I used to go to the church where they would pray you through. Have you ever been there? 
And they'd push you down if they didn't think you were prayed through. Like, we need some of that. We need some grandmas that's going to bring you up to the altar. They're going to pray you through until you get something. Amen? So we're going to attract them. We're going to do all this new school to get them in here. But then we need some grandmas to show up with some anointing and pray some stuff out of people. Amen? You should give it up for God right there, and I'll move on. Because he's awesome. So Joseph of Arimathea hewed out a rock. (laughs) Think about that. Hewed out a rock. We live in a mountainous region. So imagine walking up to a mountain and hewing out a cave, chipping away at it. Day after day, hewing out a place for Jesus' body to lay. With all of his money, all of his fame, his notoriety, his political abilities, he sat and hewed out a rock so that he could place the dead body of Jesus Christ. And you're upset that your neighbor is more blessed than you. They're not really more blessed. They're just more in debt. Amen? (laughs) But God has brought a thousand people to this community and called us to beg for the body of Christ, to hew out a place. We got some work to do. Will you throw back up the number, 20,000, what was it, 20,000, 35? We have some work to do, guys. 20,000, 35 people are still lost and going to a devil's hell. They're still lost. We've got some work to do. We do. We got to, we got to, we got to understand it. Can I tell you something that bothers me? We have three services. We have an 8.30, a 10, and an 11.30. 10 o'clock hated me today, so you all are a much better audience. Give yourselves a hand. Thank you for loving Jesus better than 10 o'clock. <laughs> but, no, you're awesome. But, so, we have three services, and so every service, I get to kind of look out and look around. So, I'm going to ask them to bring up the house lights. I look out and see empty chairs. So, I want you to take a moment and look around at all the empty chairs. You may have to turn around. It's okay. They're behind you. They're, they're not going to bite you, I promise. They're, they're cool. Look at all the empty chairs. It drives me crazy. Like, there are days I get mad at it. Just to be honest with you. I come in here and I'm like, I'm just mad. I'm like, why are there empty chairs? Why? We have the answer to, it, to all of life's problems. You say, well, God, and people, you can bring the house lights back down for the online family. Thank you guys so much. So there are days that I think, oh, like, oh, it just drives me bananas. And people are like, oh, you're so blessed. Like, you have a church of over 1,000 and a town of 2,500. That's mind-blowing. And yes, it is. And you're in a city, or you're in a county of 35,450 people. That's mind-blowing. Yes, it is. This is a miracle. But there's still empty chairs. I'm not cool with empty chairs. Because I love people enough to not be cool with empty chairs. Are you okay with empty chairs? You shouldn't be. God's not. But think about it like this. If we had the answer, if we tweeted that we had the answer or the cure for cancer, do you think we'd have empty chairs? No? Answer me. No. Guess what? We do have the answer. We do have the cure for cancer. Who knew, right? His name's Jesus. He died on a cross. He said, by my stripes you shall be made whole. Not you might be, not you could be. He said you shall, right? We have the answer. WVU Athletics isn't okay with empty chairs. 
Virginia Tech's not okay with empty chairs, but the church is. Whoa, that's heavy, right? It is. We can't be okay with empty chairs. I think we have something great going here. It's amazing, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. We have this thing called Grow Track. Everybody say Grow Track. And it's awesome. It's our on-ramp. Because when I grew up, everybody wanted to tell me what to do, but they didn't want to tell me how to get there, right? They're like, bless God, you just need to live holy. Okay, how? How do I live holy? I have this crazy thing called flesh that makes me want to do things that I shouldn't do, and all you want to do is beat me over the head with the Bible and tell me I can't do it. But I still have the desire. How do I find freedom? So we decided that we were going to give people next steps, and it's called small groups. Everybody say small groups also known as connect groups. Sometimes we use that word interchangeably. I'm trying to help you. I want you to get this today. So connect groups or small groups. And we said, you know what? Let's create it where everybody who's messed up can get together and help fix everybody's mess. And guess what? It works. It's crazy. It's the craziest thing. So people get into a connect group because we figured you all are just as messed up as we are. So we get in a room together. We talk about our mess. We talk about life. We figure out how to pray for each other. We make friends. We figure out how to share life together. And then it works. People find freedom. If you come to us and you need like financial, we're going to send you to a financial small group. And then we're going to check on you at the end. Or marriage. We're going to send you to a marriage small group. And then we're going to follow up with you at the end. You know what happens? People don't need counseling anymore. Because they found freedom in their small group. Because as the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Who knew, right? It's the Bible. It works. So then we decided, all right, let's help people figure out how to get into ministry. I'm on an Ephesians 4 kick. Ephesians 4, chapter 11 and 12 is actually the job description for pastors. It says that pastors are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the lifting up of the body of Christ. So do you know what the church world did? They said, oh, let's make everybody think that the pastor's job is to do it. You all get mad at me if you want. It's in the Bible. Get mad at him, not me. So the pastor's job is to do it because, bless God, we write your check. And you do. You pay my, your tithes, pays my salary. Thank you for tithing. Thank you for what you do. And, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we decided, let's turn it into a team. Let's all move the body of Christ down the field together. So Pastor Chad's on the dream team. I'm on the dream team. Everybody who comes into any capacity serves on the dream team. So we take you through Grow Track and we teach you about your personality because God gave everybody a personality, right? So we do the DISC profile, the DISC. Then we teach you about your spiritual gifts. You take a, a spiritual gifts inventory and we figure out why do you want to give all your money away? Because you have the gift of generosity. Or why do you want to lead everything? Because you have the leadership small or leadership. Um, spiritual gift. Why do you want to do all these things? Because God put it inside of you. And then we help you line up to your redemptive call, to your ministry. We're not ever the church that's going to say, we need 812 people in the nursery. Why don't you all go? Why? Because you're going to burn out and quit. So we decided to figure out where God wants you to be in ministry and place you there. It's amazing, and it works. We have the answer, but we have empty chairs. I don't think we should have empty chairs. I don't. I don't think that we should because we have the answer. And the thing of it is, is that it's work and we all have to come together and work together to move the body of Christ in one direction. You guys all right with this? Yes. All right. So there's one thing about it that, that you have to, to know, though. That when we do this and we begin to hew out a place and for the city, for the body of Jesus Christ in our city, is that when we do this, that we have 
to make it a place that everyone can unite. We don't have the luxury of, being, of having disunity anymore. We have to be able to unite. So I really feel like this is the part in the, the scripture where it talked about Mary Magdalene. You know Mary, um, the prostitute Mary in the Bible, the, the Mary with seven demons? That Mary, because the Bible said she was at the tomb. Remember in the scripture we read? And then it also said the other Mary. How do you like for that to be your name in the Bible? Like the other Mary. You know, if God was to rewrite the Bible, I wonder what he would call me. Would he say the other Jeremy? Probably. But anyway. But think about it like that. You know, think. So the other Mary. The church Mary. The elite Mary. The mother of Jesus Mary. So both of them were at the tomb. So when we do this, we have to create a place that Mary Magdalene and the mother of Jesus can meet and both feel comfortable. I wonder why they're so comfortable there. Why? Because there was a spirit of resurrection there. There was anointing there that caused them both. Whether you've been saved 712 years or you've been saved seven minutes, that you can feel comfortable. So that's why we do crazy stuff. Like we flash lights. There is nothing spiritual about flashing lights. It's just fun. <laughs> There's nothing about that that's going to get anybody closer to Jesus, I promise. People call us the club church. I'll flash lights all day long if lost people will come through those doors. I will. We give away ice cream. It's your tithe. We're just giving it back to you in ice cream. Because ice cream's amazing. Right? <laughs> like we do all this stuff. We pop popcorn and, and have at the movies and have characters outside and build sets. Why do we do that? I bet you Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, I bet she liked movies. I bet Mary, the son of Jesus, loved movies. Do you love Jesus? How many love Jesus? How many likes movies? Woo! I bet we could all unite under at the movies, couldn't we? And we could have the lost, and we could have the, the, the saints, and we could all come together in unity and actually love something together. You want to know what was so cool about the eclipse? That for like four minutes, the entire nation actually liked each other for a second. And we were all united under one thing. And it didn't matter what was going on. We just all was like, you know, burning our eyeballs, staring at the sun. Like, you know, everybody's looking stupid. Like, you know, you were too. But the thing of it is, for like four minutes, we were all united. That was like the coolest part of it. Everybody sharing glasses together and all that. Like, can I look through your NASA-approved glasses so I can be cool for five seconds? Right? Like, you know, but we were united. That's what At The Movies is about. That's the secret sauce. It's not about anything. It's about making a place where lost people and saved people can come together at one time in one place and actually have a moment with God. Do you want to know what heaven's going to look like? That. Because that's the heart of God. That's why I built this church. It's for that moment in time when the lost and the saints can come together in that one, that one holy moment. That is what he is about. So begging for the body of Christ. The commentary said this. said if it, he had not begged, like I said earlier, it would have torn him to pieces. And he couldn't stand it. So he did something about it. So I'm going to ask you, are you okay with empty chairs? I'm not. I'm not okay with it. We can't be okay with it. We don't have the luxury anymore of being okay with it. I know it's old school, but we've got to get people ready for the return of Christ. Jesus is coming back, right? 
That's old school, but guess what? He's coming. Everybody say, well, bless God. They've been saying that for years. Well, we're closer now than we were the few years ago, right? That's getting closer. So the thing of it is, is we don't have the time. We don't. We got to get together. You want to know something I, I thought that was funny whenever I was studying this? The Bible says that the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. That scripture bothered me. I was like, what? Like, I kind of turned my head like my dog, like, what? You know, like at moment, like, what does he mean? The children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. Do you want to know why? Because they can get together on some stuff. Lost people can get together, right? They can party. They can, they, can, they can throw their kind of fun, right? So here's what I thought. You have never heard of 50 demons splitting off and starting a new hell. <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? So... <laughs> Why is it that the body of Christ can't get together on some stuff, right? Here's the thing. <laughs> if you love Jesus and you believe he was born of a virgin, died on a cross, and he rose again, we can unite under that. Amen? Amen. Amen. We need to get together with some people. <laughs> it blows my mind. It does. Jesus prayed a three-word prayer. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man who had been... A dead man who had been dead for four days, stinking, got up and walked out. But in John chapter four, or sorry, John chapter seventeen, he said five times, "Make them one, make them one, make them one, make them one, make them one." Apparently, it takes more prayer to unite the church than it does to raise the dead. <laughs> Amen. Right? It's it's mind blowing, but it's the truth. We got to get united under some stuff. I said all of this to tell you that we've got to beg. For the body of Christ. One man begged for the body of Christ. He moved it. At the movies is coming up. And what we decided to do. And, and this wasn't a message to hurrah you up. And get you to go invite. But I thought I can't get up here and say what I said earlier. About the church of the past. And not give you the tools to actually do something. So today on your way out. I want to give you two invite cards. To at the movies. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about it. I want you to physically anoint them pray over them don't put oil because that's weird when you hand it out and they're going to wonder what the oil is it's just going to be awkward don't do any of that, that. just pray over them. pray over them say God who, who, whoever you lay on my heart I'm going to give this to I want, I want to be a lost person like if somebody's saved that's cool and here's the thing I'm not trying to just fill up our seats I want you to fill up other churches seats I don't care where they go to church. They don't have to come to Bethesda. I just need them to get into a Bible-believing, life-giving church. Amen. It's not about building us up. It's just people are lost. They need Jesus, right? So I want you to pray over those, and I want you to invite two people. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to put the pressure on you to, like, lead them to Christ. We'll do that. I promise you. If you invite them and you get them here, I promise you, Pastor Chad will knock it out of the ballpark. It will be amazing. We'll have Batman outside because Batman can change the world, can he? He can. Just fun. We'll have people, popcorn, fun. We'll make it amazing. Just so they can have an encounter. But when the moment is when they come in here and he gives that invite. So it's not even like we're asking you to lead them to Christ. He'll do it. Just invite them. Because we can't be okay with empty chairs. It's not his heart. It's not. If you'd stand with me today. I know this is different. I know this was heavy. It's not like a typical Sunday morning Bethesda. But I feel like it's got to be said. 
Because Jesus is really in love with his church. He, he loved it so much he called it his bride. Like, I really love that gorgeous woman right there. She's my bride. I would die for literally. I would give up it all. And I think how much I love her, and I think, and that Jesus calls me his bride. Like, that's how much he loves me. It blows my mind. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to tell you, like, no matter what you've went through, no matter what your life has been like, the pain, the tears, whatever your story is, he knows it. And he really loves you. The first time I preached this, I'm going to kind of share this with you. While your eyes are closed, you're having your moment with Jesus. The first time I preached this, after I preached it, we decided to start attacking some chairs. Because I mentioned that in this. I said we need to attack some chairs. And at Dream Team Huddle, which happens every morning at 8 o'clock before our services, we meet in here and kind of give direction for the day. But this Dream Team goes out and we pray over every single chair. Because every seat has a story. Every person is important. It's not about numbers and all that junk. We count numbers because that's souls, that's story, that's people. That's lives that can be changed. And it's important to God, it's important to us. But God knows it. He knows your story. He knows why you live here. He knows every single part. When you hurt, He hurts. When you celebrate, He celebrates. But all He longs for is a deeper relationship with you. It's going to be work. I've already told you it is. There's going to be days that's going to be great and days that's not. But I promise you, He loves you so much. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you it's going to be rainbows and puppies. There's going to be days that's not so fun. But I promise you, the good outweighs the bad every time. But if you're here today and you say, man, I don't even know this Jesus. I don't even know this Christ you talked about. It's pretty simple. All I'm asking you to do is just simply raise your hand and leave it up high long enough for me to acknowledge it. And then we're going to pray a simple prayer. And everybody in the room will pray. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to parade you in front of anybody. Just know that he loves you so much. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to ask the staff and the uh, prayer team to come up. And if you have a need today, you just need somebody to beg for the body of Christ with you, to to beg for your need, to, to intercede with you. They would love to do that. But I just want to pray, and then I'll get out of the way, and let's worship together, and let's just pray together. Father God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray over everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would bless them, that you would help them, that you would lay some people's, some lost people on their hearts, oh God, so that they can not only invite them, but begin to pray for them, begin to start a relationship with them so that they might come to know you through watching their lives. I pray over these people that you would bless them. God, blow their mind with the way that you bless them financially, with their health, their kids, their family units. Oh, God, just bless them abundantly. Father God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.